What's up, world? Welcome to another episode of the Brand New Show. I uh, hope you guys enjoying the episodes that are out already this week. Um, <clears throat> got some coming next week, uh, including this episode I'm doing right now. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy. Um, excuse me. Okay, we guys enjoy these episodes, man. Uh, it's been a crazy, crazy, crazy couple of <laughs> weeks. Uh, but I um, hope you guys really, really are enjoying these episodes. As you already know, all podcast platforms, all podcast platforms are brand, is the brand new show. Hope you guys enjoy that. Um, YouTube channel, brand new show. Uh, thank you to other new subscribers or viewers of the Brandon Janu Show on YouTube. Appreciate you guys. Uh, shout out to everybody that's on social media following me, either be TikTok or uh, Instagram, Brandon Janu Show on those two platforms as well. Uh, hope you guys enjoy, like I said, this episode, man. And uh, next week, more podcast episodes. And uh, hope you guys, like I said, enjoy. <laughs> I don't know how else to say that, but enjoy, man. Um, so today, uh, tonight I'm about to do my wrestling life podcast. Listen, I could easily go into the SmackDown review. Uh, SmackDown just literally went off air here in Houston. Um, but, uh, what I want to do is talk about pretty much the storylines that are pretty much happening right now in WWE. Uh, you know, I just did the crown jewel pay-per-view review, uh, rating review. I will be doing the Survivor Series one. Uh, and I hope you guys, um, are listening to the now Crown Jewel one that just came out Wednesday. So I hope you guys are enjoying that one. Um, but I didn't really watch Raw a lot because I was watching Monday Night Football, which wasn't really a contest. Uh, I was watching my Saints, my New Orleans Saints, pretty much get their ass whooped by the Baltimore Ravens. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but let me go into this. Uh, a lot of storylines are coming out of WWE right now, particularly surrounding war games, Survivor Series war games. And there's a lot of craziness uh, happening right now uh, when it comes to all of these storylines. So I'm going to go to Monday Night Raw. Uh, Monday Night Raw is where it started off more mainly. And there's a couple of storylines on Monday Night Raw. It's very intriguing. And I don't know how they're going to do it at Survivor Series particularly. Uh, but... There's a lot of things people were mad about at the end of Monday Night Raw, but let's get into one thing um, that's going to happen, um, that has happened, I should say. Um, so Survivor Series War Game for the women is officially um, in place, and we know the women that's going to be compete well, at least some of the women. We know seven of the names are going to compete in the War Games match. There's still three names to be named, and that's exactly what I want to talk about. Um, I think knowing what, uh, War Games is, usually War Games in NXT is always like a three on three on three, or it's always like a four on four. It's not really five on five, which is interesting. I remember WCW War Games and it was kind of like that, but this is kind of interesting. I, I want to see how this is going to play out, but the Women's War Games match is officially, uh, here. We know who's going to compete. It's going to be all of the Raw women in the War Games match for the, for, for Raw. And I think that makes sense. I mean, they have the most intriguing storyline. I've been said that. They have the most intriguing storyline. Um, you know, the Raw, the Raw women have had the most intriguing storyline since SummerSlam. You know, Damage Control coming back with Bailey, Io Sky, Dakota Kai. It makes sense for those three women to stay in this. And now that I said Nikki Cross is now kind of a part of Damage Control, it makes sense to have them in the War Games match against Bianca, against Alexa, and against Asuka. Now, it gets interesting because now Damage Control has one more spot to fill their team while Bianca, Alexa, and Asuka have two. Now, WWE can go with the logical situation, and that is just put, uh, to me, Candice LeRae, who just got tagged by Damage Control a couple weeks ago, she can come back this week. You got to put her either this week or next week. She's got to come back. And I, I can't see her not being back. If she is that final member or one of those members of that Bianca team, I can't see her just not being there at all. 
So she's got to come back eventually. I think it'll be this Monday. I think this Monday we shall see her join uh, Bianca, Alexa, and Asuka. Whereas for Raw, for for Damage Control, Bailey, Io, and Dakota, and, and Nikki, and Nikki Cross, I think they've already started teasing it. And they got to just now do it. And this is why I say this is logical, right? This is the logical part. Whereas, like, Rhea Ripley is clearly going to be a part of the War Games match. Io, Dakota, and Rhea. I don't, I don't know if Bianca was in a War Games match. I can't remember. But I know those three have been in War Game matches. So it would make sense if those are the three women in that match with them. And I think Rhea and Bianca are teasing. And this is why I say this makes more sense. They're teasing this match. Now, the logical situation is what happened on Raw. There's so many storylines that's in, in, entangled with each other that it's kind of interesting. Rhea Ripley is in Judgment Day. The OC, who they're beefing with, who they're having a problem with, brought back uh, Mia Yim, who had been in WWE before, which is kind of interesting because her husband is in AEW, but that's neither here nor there. But, um, so the logical thing is Candice LeRae, Mia Yim, Bianca, Alexa, Asuka. That's logical because Rhea and her are kind of entangled into a rivalry already because of the OC versus Judgment Day. So it makes total sense if Mia Yim is one of the last last people in that, that War Games match. But this is why I feel like there's two other things they could do with that War Games match. Now, the other one is just completely, like, just what fans would love to see. And that is, you know, you already got two women. Uh, you got the three for Bianca. You just need two more. The lot, the, the What fans would love to see is Sasha and Naomi coming back, being their final two partners. It makes sense. Here's the problem. I don't think this is – this is the first time that I'm not actually hoping. I'm like, Okay, let me stretch that. I hope they come back at, at, at Survivor Series. This is the perfect time to do it. Sasha is going to be – it's Thanksgiving weekend. It's in Boston. Sasha's from Boston. This is the perfect time for her to come back at home to get the most incredible pop you're probably ever going to get since maybe Becky came back at SummerSlam for a woman competitor. Like, this might be the biggest pop you've ever – she's at home. It's Thanksgiving weekend. This is the perfect – moment for her to come back with Naomi and I keep forgetting like I keep saying Sasha but Naomi needs to come back too it would be a perfect situation for her too I feel like we always neglect Naomi because it's like well Sasha comes back then we know what that's gonna be like but it's like Naomi could handle her own in the brain too bro it's not like she can't do shit in the ring she's really fucking good she's a former Smackdown Women's Champion I think two-time Smackdown Women's Champion she can do the shit for real and from, from where she started her career, being a pterodactyl for the fucking Brutus Clay and shit, like, like, to be where she's at, where she's, like, literally people are pining for her and Sasha to come back, is kind of interesting, man. It's a pretty cool situation to see it. But that is what fans would love to see, is Sasha teaming up with Bianca. And and who knows Bailey better than Sasha Banks? That's, like, the obvious. They're literally best friends in real life. So why would she not come back against Bailey of all people? And that was the last person she truly had a rivalry against. So I think so was that with Naomi. So it makes total sense. And plus, they have their women's tag team titles. That would be perfect. But that's a fan's point of view. That's my fan point of view. I would love to see it. it it's perfect. It's perfect for her to come back, them, them to come back. At Survivor Series is in Sasha's hometown. It makes total sense. She knows Bailey. And in a War Games match, this would be incredible. Now, like I said, the logical situation is just put Candice LeRae, Mia Yim. It makes sense. The fan, I just gave you the fan point of view of it. Now let me give you what I think could happen. What I really actually think could happen. I think Candice LeRae gets in. I think Candice LeRae is one of those members because she actually has problems with damage control. This is where I really actually think WWE makes sense. And maybe I wouldn't be so mad if the Sasha and Naomi don't come back. And that is if Becky comes back. And I think Becky Lynch, if she's the one, the last member of the, of the 
of it, it won't be the same pop, but it will be a pop because at the end of the day, she just got taken out by damage control. And she's been out since July, August. Like, I think I went to, yeah, Monday Night Raw was August 1st. That was my niece's birthday. And that was Monday Night Raw. So she's been out, and her, um, her shoulder injury is supposed to be for like three to four months. It's four months. It's past four months now. So she should be healthy. She should be cleared, and she should be able to, to work at at some Survivor Series, which makes me think that is the match. I think Becky Lynch comes back. She already has a problem with damage control because they went at her and tried to take her out. She that makes total sense. So she's actually starting to come around WWE a little bit more and more. If you see pictures online of her kind of being around, a, being around, being back on the road with them a lot. I mean, of course, her husband is Seth Rollins, but you know, it's just like also like you know, she's starting to kind of like come back to her own. And I think that's an interesting take on it because I think if Becky's the last member, she already has that. Now, this is why I said this story. These storylines kind of get interesting. The reason why I don't think the Mia Yim situation makes sense is because even though they're embroiled in the robbery, her and Rhea, they're not technically in the robbery against each other. Mia Yim is just there to stop her from stop from fucking with o, the OC. That's not really a robbery. I don't see the point of her being in the in the War Games match because her and Rhea don't really have. You can't build a robbery in two weeks. That shit just don't make no sense. It's like even though she's back to kind of. But that's not to really hurt Rhea. That's not really to stop her. That's not even to have a real robbery with her. And you're already teasing Bianca and Rhea, which I would love to see also at WrestleMania. I said Charlotte and, Rhea and Bianca, but I would love to see Bella and Rhea. Lord Jesus, if you know anything about those two women in NXT and how much Triple H loves those two women, he would probably make that a WrestleMania match. And I am 100% all for it. Um, I think that would be a pretty good... But like I said, Mia Yim is not re- that's not a really a storyline. Like, yeah, she's the but she's there more so for protection for the OC. So her being in war games doesn't make any sense. It really fucking doesn't. Because outside of the OC, these two women don't have really nothing in common to really fight for. Um, so I think that's a stupid one. And if WWE goes with that one, it's not gonna be the same. It's not really a good war games decision and participant if you put Mia Yim in there. If it doesn't make any sense. Now, <clears throat> the fans' point of view, like I just said, Sasha and Naomi. Now, this could make total fucking sense. But this is why I don't also think this is going to happen. Because I think even though it's a perfect idea to put Sasha Banks and Naomi back in WWE, especially at that time frame, think of the creation of the of the storyline you could do. Because, like I said, Sasha knows Bailey very well. That is literally her best friend. But Sasha's also, uh, uh, Bailey's running around with damage control who have Sasha and Naomi's titles. It would be a perfect opportunity for those two women to get into a storyline with damage control. And maybe they could take Candice LeRae and they could go off and do something with them for the next couple of months. But I think the reason why is is because even if they do come back, I think the 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 the, the storylines will be better, but at the same time, that match won't culminate until WrestleMania, and I think that's where I think they kind of WWE is kind of like trying their hardest to kind of like. I think Sasha and Naomi are signed. I think they're back, but I just think they're really just trying to see pinpoint where is the best moment to put them, because once they back, we already know who they're going after. They're going after Damage Control. So it just doesn't make any sense to rush them back because eventually you are going to have to build a storyline. But what's a better storyline than Damage Control going to WrestleMania? Just like Seth Rollins, Damage Control going to WrestleMania and maybe fighting somebody that, like, which brings me to the other, the real thought process and what I think is really going to happen is Becky coming back. Because if Becky comes back, she already has a problem with Damage Control, but also... Every fan, like I just said, Bianca and Rhea is something that you want to see, but also the storylines between Becky and Bailey. They are also the four horsewomen. That is literally the four horsewomen. Bailey, Becky, Charlotte, and Sasha. That is the four horsewomen. We've never really seen Becky versus Bailey. We've never seen it. We've seen Becky and Charlotte. We've seen Becky and Sasha. 
Sasha and Charlotte, Sasha and uh, Bailey, but we've never seen Becky and Bailey. And the fact that that can actually be a real storyline and now it can really become something is intriguing as shit. And you probably want to see that through. So if that is the fact that if Becky and them have a rivalry that lasts and culminates till WrestleMania, imagine Becky bringing Sasha and Naomi out as her sixth partner tag. And that and it could happen. Let's not act like it can't happen. It could happen. So that's why I feel like even though this is the perfect time to bring a Sasha and Naomi back, I don't think they're going to do it because it's too easy. That is the easiest shit ever. And I think also they want that Cody Rhodes pop at WrestleMania. And if I'm Sasha and Naomi, I'm waiting for that Cody Rhodes WrestleMania pop. Because even though you know they're coming, the pop was so fucking massive for Cody. It's literally still to the to a year to the day when he did come back that people are still like, man, I can't wait till when Cody fights Roman Reigns. It's gonna be good. <laughs> like, and and it's that, man. It's that. So I think that that is how I look at the women's war game match. It's like three different scenarios, but all three scenarios. There's two really good scenarios, and the other one is just y'all being lazy, and y'all don't really feel like dealing with shit. It's like you just threw some shit together, which is okay, but it's like, nah, that's not smart. Like, it's the Candice LeRae, Becky, Sasha, Naomi, Oscar team, it makes sense because all three, of the, all five of those women have problems with damage control. And like I said, those storylines build into something else because I'm assuming Becky uh, Bailey and, and Bianca not fighting again anytime soon, which means Rhea and Bianca could start a rivalry, which which supposed to happen at Money in the Bank. Rhea got um medical situation, had a medical injury, uh, medical situation that came up. But if now they're teasing that again, if they're teasing it, why would you not put Rhea in the War Games match? And I know people say that's kind of stupid. Why would you put her in it? Because, and I'm not saying she doesn't get still in a Judgment Day shit. But you got to plant the seed of that rivalry eventually. And why not? And I've literally spent on record and said, and I talk about this more when I do the 2023 Royal Rumble predictions. But I've literally said, I think Rhea is the other actually win the Royal Rumble match because it doesn't make any sense to keep giving it to other people. If it doesn't, like, other than Becky winning it, I don't see the point of having another person win other than Rhea. Because you can say Bailey, but do you want to see Bailey versus Bianca again at WrestleMania? I don't want to see that shit. You say Charlotte, but I don't want to see Charlotte versus Rhea. Uh, yeah, I want to see Charlotte versus Ronda at WrestleMania again. Like, it's stupid. These are title matches, and I think Triple H is pretty smart. And I think if you're going to plan a seed like this, Rhea and Bianca were the last two women in 2021, I think? Or the 2020 uh, Royal Rumble? 2020, 2021 Royal Rumble? So it could happen. So I, I, I do believe that that's going to be the thing. But you have two different – you have three ways you can do the War Games match with the women. Two of them actually make real fucking sense. The other one just is lazy as fuck of WWE. Now, like I said, there's another story, a couple of storylines on Raw that kind of was intriguing. Like I said, Mia Yim is back. The OC, Judgment Day shit. Like I said, if it happened, I don't want to see Rhea in, the, in that bullshit-ass rivalry. Because it seems like even if that, even though me, like I said, me and Yum and Rhea don't really have a real reason to have problems outside of just the OC and the Judgment Day. So putting me and Yum in a in a in a War Games match would make no sense. It really wouldn't make any sense. Um, whereas for the other shit that's going on on Raw, Seth Rollins did an open challenge, a U.S. title open challenge, and. Yo, I gotta just get, we gotta really give John Cena his props, man. John Cena has done this. He created this U.S. Open Challenge. And ever since then, anybody that's had a, the United States title, it feels like if you don't do a U.S. Open Challenge, you're doing a title a disservice. And Seth Rollins is such a great competitor, and he is a workhorse, and he does compete every time he does have something. And it makes fucking sense that he's the one now picking the mantle up and doing the U.S. Open Challenges. That makes total fucking sense. Um, but he had a match. Well, first of all, he didn't have a match because Bobby Lashley came out and just beat the living shit out of him. So, <laughs> so um, 
which is which is like I said at the after the Crown Jewel shit. I think they're gonna build that match until WrestleMania, and it's gonna be Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. It's kind of obvious. I think we could see it coming. We just don't know. I think we know even when it's gonna happen. It's gonna be happening at WrestleMania. I think they're both gonna cost each other the Royal Rumble matches. The Rumble, the Royal Rumble match. I think Brock Lesnar comes out, throws Bobby out, and then Bobby comes back and throws Brock Lesnar out. Maybe Brock Lesnar's like in the top four, in the final four, and Bob, Brock, uh, Bobby Lashley comes out, spears him, throws him over the top rope, and now you got a match at WrestleMania. Perfect. It's over. It's done. Let's move the hell. Let's move the fuck on. Um, but uh, Seth gets his ass whipped pretty much by Bobby Lashley the entire time. But people have had a problem with what happened after that. And that is Austin Theory coming out and cashing the money in the bank briefcase on Seth Rollins. Now, like I just said, Seth Rollins is not the main champion. He's the mid-card, right? He's the mid-card champion. So it makes no sense to cash in money in a bank. That's what people are saying. I've seen people say it makes no sense because he had a U.S. Open Challenge. Well, Seth Rollins was not going to be able to compete in a U.S. Open Challenge. Let's get that shit out of the way. Bobby Lashley just literally put this man through an announce table. I'm pretty sure he's not going to be able to compete in the U.S. Open Challenge. So that shit is kind of void. So it's not going to happen. So the only way Austin Theory could get the title off a set is pretty much the Money in the Bank briefcase. Now, for its, its obsession of the Money in the Bank briefcase, the Money in the Bank briefcase has been used to, be, to beat the top champion. Now, here's the thing. I don't think it's supposed to always be that way. Because it says you can get a title match anytime, any place. It doesn't always say it's just the WWE champion. It doesn't say that. It says a championship match. It doesn't say who's. Listen to when people say this shit. Listen to what they say. Now we just so we so much assume is just why would you not go after the WWE champion? Like that makes total fucking sense. You got a briefcase that you can cash in at any time. And what we've also seen throughout the history of that briefcase, but let's be, and like I've said numerous times, either take the briefcase off of Austin Theory because he's not going to beat Roman Reigns. I don't give a fuck how bad beaten Roman Reigns is. He's never going to cash in that briefcase on Roman Reigns. And when? He can't cash in on Roman Reigns. He wasn't ever going to cash in on Brock Lesnar. He can't cash in on, on any guy that's like super of the top caliber because he could never win and then we won't believe we won't believe it and I know people would say yes we would no the fuck we wouldn't like I remember when CM Punk did it twice and people still wasn't believing in CM Punk it took CM Punk literally by like two or three more years for people to be like holy shit CM Punk's really fucking good but he had the briefcase twice he beat who the fuck he beat he beat Edge once and then they literally took the title off of him and gave it to like they Randy Orton or some shit. So they take the title off of him, give it to Randy Orton. And then the next time he had the briefcase, he beat Jeff Hardy. And then the next couple of months later, he lost the title to The Undertaker. So it's literally like, yeah, he had the briefcase, but literally, that's not that many people that had pops. Dolph Ziggler, even when Dolph Ziggler won a title, we always remember the clip, but let's be real. Did he have a long title fucking reign when he had the World Heavyweight Championship? No, the fuck he didn't. That's what I'm saying. Somebody like a mid-card guy like that, it doesn't make any sense to have the briefcase. Like, Seth Rollins made sense. Seth Rollins is already pegged as the future. It made fucking sense to have Seth with the title. So it made sense for him to cash in at WrestleMania. Because Seth was supposed to be that guy. Austin Theory just didn't make any sense to have the briefcase still. It didn't make any sense. Because you're not going to beat Roman Reigns. And we know you're not going to beat Roman Reigns. So everybody is complaining and saying, well, you should have kept the briefcase. You should have cashed in on Roman Reigns. You know the ending of the fucking match. You already know the ending of the match. Roman Reigns is going to keep the title. So might as well cash in and get this shit over with. So him cashing in on Seth Rollins made fucking sense. I don't know why people are so, like I said, because we're so used to the briefcase being cashed, the way it's cashed, that we were just like, wait a minute, he cashed in on the United States Championship? What the fuck is he doing? And I also think it's also more smartly for WWE because it makes Seth Rollins in that U.S. title more of a president, more of a massive situation, because I've said this numerous times. Until Roman Reigns loses those titles and they decide to split the titles, that title will the WWE Championship is I'm assuming going to be on Raw is never going to be on Raw. Roman Reigns does not show up on Raw. 
that is just that is not like he's literally gonna compete in a war games match and it's all about SmackDown. So for him to be a champion of two brands, he only shows up on one, that's a fucking problem. So like I said, when I said this, you gotta make a champion happen. And now that Seth has the title of the U.S. Championship, like I said, he's competing in these matches every fucking week down there. He's making the U.S. title stand out, and that is a massive thing. So for y'all that are saying he cashed in on the mid-card champion, did he cash in on the mid-card champion, or did he cash in on the champion that he technically knew was the champion of his brand and he only could probably beat? Because if he cashed in on Roman Reigns, we knew he was going to lose that match too. Let's be real. He was not going to win that match. So I don't get how people are mad at that. I think because, like I said, the way that WWE has always set up the money in a bank briefcase, it makes sense for you to be like, what the fuck is he doing? But I think also they needed to get the briefcase off of theory. They just needed to. They had to get that briefcase off of theory. He was in a lose-lose situation regardless. Now, if he would have beat set, it would have made kind of sense. But at the same time, what do you want him to do? Go back to NXT and cash in? Now, that would have made more sense. But again, you're also cashing in on somebody like a Brian Breaker who is pretty much holding up NXT. So it doesn't make any sense for him to go to NXT and then get his ass whipped by him. So it doesn't make any sense. So it was the perfect idea just to get the shit off of him and restart and kind of get him into another storyline. Because if it's, if if this is true and the reason why they wanted to get the briefcase off of him is because it actually puts him in a better position to maybe beat Seth Rollins one-on-one by himself. So it makes total sense. I actually thought it was a great idea because, like I said, you might be pissed off because that's not the way the Money in the Bank briefcase has always been, but that shows you how Triple H sees it. It's like, this shit could get cashed in on anybody, and I like that. It's, you could get cashed in on anybody. If you're in a, in a bad state, I can cash in on anybody. And I like that shit. So I didn't, I didn't, I did not disagree with what the decision was. Cause like I've been, I've been one of the rare few people that's literally said, as long as Terry's got this briefcase, his career is fucked because he's never going to beat Roman. So for him, the longer the briefcase was on him, the worse it was going to be. It just didn't make any sense. Speaking of somebody, something that got killed off definitely from the Vince McMahon era is the 24 seven title. Thank the Lord that that shit is gone. Um, <laughs> I'm so happy that shit is finally fucking gone. That fake-ass hardcore title. That was a fake-ass hardcore championship. Now, if you grew up like I did, you know what the fuck I mean about a hardcore title. That shit was defended 24-7, any place, any fucking where. That exactly what the fuck the 24-7 title is. It made no sense. It lost its lust. It never really gained anything, and it just didn't make any sense. You just kept trying to give people that just was unutilized talent that was just sitting in fucking crap tables everywhere and eating food all day some TV time. But let's be real. Either go to NXT or figure some shit out because it didn't make any sense. Now, so I'm happy Triple H got rid of that fucking title. Thank the Lord. Good God. Um, Let's move on to what just happened on SmackDown. SmackDown was intriguing as shit. Uh, it was pretty good, man. I just want to give a big ups, man, to the Usos in the fucking New Day. Like, I, I gotta, I gotta, anytime those two teams get together, I grew up with the Dugley boys, the Hardy boys, and Edge and Christian, APA, uh, right to censor. I grew up with, like, real fucking tag teams, you know what I'm saying? Like, the New Age Outlaws, like, I grew up with real fucking tag teams. So, and tag teams have been in such a disarray for years in WWE. I'm so happy Triple H is finally bringing tag teams back to the mainstream because that's what you need. Um, But anytime those two teams get together, man, I know it's going to be a hit. I know it's going to be a great fucking match. Because they never disappoint, which is the craziest point. That is so crazy how those two teams just know how to fucking work. Like, they just, look, like, I love the Street Profits. I think them dudes are incredibly talented together. But you can tell it was a complete and utter fucking drop-off. Maybe it was because of Jeff Jarrett. I don't fucking know. But it was a complete and utter fucking drop-off from Money in a Bank to SummerSlam. And you just literally had a match 
those matches were literally two, three weeks away apart from each other. That's all. It was two, three weeks apart from each other. And that fucking SummerSlam match was completely fucking in disarray. I don't know what the fuck they were trying to do, but that match was so fucking bad. Compared to the money in a bank match that they had, like, literally two, three weeks ago, before that, it was so fucking bad at SummerSlam. It was terrible. I even gave it the worst rating that I had at that time of SummerSlam. It was just so fucking bad, man. It was terrible. It was a bad fucking match. The New Day and the Usos just fucking work. I don't know what the fuck it is. Them dudes know how to work with each other, which is an interesting stat. If you actually know, they've fought so many times that there's a stat out, and I think I saw this maybe like a year or two ago, but anytime that Kofi and Xavier fight the Usos, they lose. They've never beat the Usos. Kofi and Xavier never beat the Usos. Big E and Kofi always beat the Usos. I don't know if Big E and Xavier has ever fought the Usos together, but I know if Kofi and and Big E fight the Usos, I, I remember the Usos and, and Big E and, and Xavier fighting the Usos in Hell in a Cell, and they lost that match. But I know that when Big E and Kofi fight the Usos, they beat them every time. And every time, is oh, if it's not that combination of the New Day, the Usos win. That's crazy to hear that shit. But... Yeah, I think the Usos, man, in the New Day, they just fucking got it, man. You 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 gotta just enjoy those matches, man. You just gotta sit there and just watch those matches, be like, man. Again, man, like what the fuck? Like these dudes just fucking do it. I don't know what it is. And there was at the end of that match, so many fucking near falls, kickouts, just oh my god, this was this felt like the night. That if anybody could beat the Usos, this is the perfect team to do it. And just fell fucking short. And it's just like, fuck. And even the Usos after the match was like, motherfucker, man. Y'all always give us these fucking matches, man. We, <laughs> If you actually look at the, it looked like they were so proud of the fact that they, like, I'm like, you motherfuckers. I, ooh, you bitches. Like, it just feels like them they, that match, man. Them dudes just... I don't give a fuck who it is. The New Day and the Usos, them motherfuckers just put it together. They do it so fucking well. I've never seen, yeah, it, I can say Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys. Like, they they were, like, maybe the only other group of tag teams I've ever seen just have perfect fucking chemistry. Like, no matter what. And then when they added the Douglas, like, yeah. Like, those teams have chemistry. They have incredible chemistry. But that, those, man, bro, you don't, it's just hard to find uh, uh, those types of teams that literally have that type of structure with each other. Like, they have incredible fucking matches. Every, like I said, love the Street Profits, but the Street Profits and the, new, and the Usos kind of fall off here and there. They have these matches, and then they kind of, like, don't. Where New Day and the Usos always hit. Like, they always got a hit. I don't know what it is, man. That was an incredible body. That was an incredible match. But what they are, so what I forgot to say, was the 40-minute segment on Raw to kick off Raw. And that match culminated tonight. That there, the, the crowd on Raw was fucking terrible. Like, fucking awful. Like, I don't know what the fuck they were at. I think it was Pennsylvania. They fucking suck. That crowd was terrible the entire fucking night. The matches that I saw, them they didn't employ for shit. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? These dudes went out there for 40 minutes on Raw, had a complete and utter back and forth segment, talking on the mic, going in. Xavier Woods, man, on a microphone is a fucking monster. Like, do not fuck with that dude. That shit was incredible, man. Solo Sakara in the back, looking like Taz from the 90s from ECW. <laughs> this nigga got a black towel on his head, looking like Taz with his balls full with tattoos. Nigga, that's Taz. Fuck y'all. Y'all know damn well that's Taz from ECW. Fuck what you talking. Solo Sakura, what? He's supposed to be Taz from ECW? Get the fuck out of here. Like, the submission submission, uh, the Samoa submission machine, some shit. Like, he's like the new Samoa joke. What the fuck is going on? Like, get the fuck out of here, dude. Nigga got a black towel on his head looking like Taz from ECW. Fuck out of here. But that segment was incredible. I don't know why Matt Riddle came out. I I, I literally don't know. Other than just to have a six-man tag. Or maybe Triple H is like, we need somebody to wrap this shit the fuck up. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, it just, it just didn't make any sense. But 
that segment, that and the match tonight, man, 100%. Uh, I wish this rivalry's not over, man. I hope not because maybe one last match or some shit before Kofi maybe retires and somebody leaves. I don't fucking know, but they need to do a res- they need to do a two out of three falls for the tag team titles. That'd be very good. Like I think those those because you know damn well the Usos gonna get one, the New Day gonna get one, and then that last fall gonna be some shit. Yeah, that's all gonna be shit. So I think that'll be pretty dope. That'd be pretty fucking dope. I think that'd be super dope. Um, also on SmackDown, they're doing this World Cup, which is pretty intriguing, I guess. The winner meets Gunter, and that's pretty cool. Um, I think they don't really have anybody to really go up against Gunter, and you know. My favorite right now for that particular situation. I don't want to see Braun Strowman. By the way, Braun Strowman got a new finisher. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord that this man has a new finisher. The power slam shit is stupid. It's dumb. You know you can kick out of that shit. Why the fuck are we doing it? But he he debuted a new finisher. And it's the power bomb. And I'm with it. Maybe it's the monster bomb. Because Wade Barrett kept calling it the monster bomb. But he needed a new finisher. And for his built and his his height and everything, a power bomb is perfect for him. It makes total fucking sense. Now, I do not want him to win this tournament. <laughs> I do not want him to win this tournament. To be honest, I would not be mad if Sammy wins it, and I would not be mad if Butch wins it. Pete Dunne. Because I personally would love to see Pete Dunne versus uh, Walter. Bring back that old UK, NXT UK vibes. That'd be pretty fucking good. You know, Pete Dunne was the longest reign. Pete Dunne was one of the longest reigning UK champ, NXT UK champions. And so he lost to Gunter. <laughs> so it would be pretty fucking cool to bring back that that type of robbery for the Intercontinental title. I know people would be like, well, each champion just lost it. I don't give a fuck. Let like, that shit happen. I am all for it. Now, if he doesn't win, and Sami Zayn wins it. I'm all for that, too. I think Sami Zayn with the Bloodline versus Imperium will be pretty, pretty fucking interesting. That'd be pretty fucking interesting. Uh, yeah, I think that'd be pretty fucking interesting. Now, um, I think as, as much as SmackDown continues to be great, the six-pack women's challenge match was pretty cool. Uh, there was a spot they were trying to hit. It was supposed to go through a table, and it just didn't work. But it's cool. It is what it is. Um, Shotzi's going up against Ronda Rousey for the women's title at Survivor Series. <sighs> Even though Ronda's now a heel, and she got Shayna Baszler as a heel with her, I don't give a fuck about Ronda Rousey being a champion. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just. It's just... Like, she's a female Brock Lesnar. Like, after a while, it's like, this shit loses its luster. Even Brock, though. But Brock knows how to make it interesting, at least. She's so fucking boring. Like, it's, I'm no diss to her. But, it, yeah, this to her. I am dissing her. But she's boring as champion. Like, there's nothing fun about this shit. And, and yet, yeah, a heel persona is going to be there. And she could be a heel. I don't give a fuck. It's boring. Like, I don't care. Like, and I hate the fact that the only person that could beat her is a person I don't want to see her lose to because I'm tired of her having a title, and that's Charlotte. But if Becky was to go to SmackDown and beat her, that would make fucking sense. Like, it would make so much fucking sense. And that is why I feel like there's so many opportunities for WWE not to fuck this up is that Becky, if she is to win the Royal Rumble, go challenge Ronda. It just makes fucking sense. You know, the first woman to ever pin Ronda in a match, which you still have not 100%. Y'all, y'all still have not wrapped that fucking storyline up, which is the dumbest shit to me. I don't know how you have a WrestleMania match that literally was shit six fucking years ago? Yeah. WrestleMania 30. God damn. Yeah, WrestleMania 3435 was in New York. I can't fucking remember. 35 was in New York. 
Yo, that's four fucking years ago, and they still have not wrapped this shit the fuck up. They need to finish this fucking storyline. Becky's the first woman to beat Ronda. She needs to go back and collect on that shit. Ronda needs to go back and beat Becky. Until she beats Becky, this is kind of why I think it feels a little bit fucking weird. But that's four years since then, and y'all still have not gave us that fucking match. I get it. Becky was pregnant. Ronda was pregnant. I get it. But they're finally back, and they're finally ready to go. Let this shit happen at WrestleMania 39. This is kind of the only match that kind of would make sense. You could put Bianca with any woman. You could put her with, with Rhea. You could put her with Charlotte. It would make sense. Hell, you could put her with Shayna. It would make sense. The fact that that storyline is there and they still have not touched on it is fucking ridiculous. And I hope Triple H sees this shit and understands this shit. Because that is a storyline that should have been wrapped up three fucking years ago. This shit makes no sense. Put this shit over. And matter of fact, to make it even more interesting, the year after she beat Ronda, who the fuck did she fight at WrestleMania? Shayna Baszler. Who the fuck is with Ronda now? Shayna Baszler. It would make fucking sense to put Becky with her. It makes total fucking sense. WWE, why am I doing your job? Please tell me. WWE, why am I doing your job? Why am I doing your job? I need to know this. I need to understand it. Sorry about that. Why the fuck am I doing your job? See, that's how passionate I am. When the fucking camera has to move. Why am I doing your job? This makes total fucking sense. Just make the Becky Ronda WrestleMania match. Get this shit over and done with. Let Ronda lose or Ronda beat her. I don't give a fuck, but y'all gotta make that match. That's ridiculous. For four years. It's fucking four years. And you still have not wrapped this fucking storyline up. That's crazy. That's fucking nuts. <laughs> That's fucking nuts. Oh my god. That's fucking crazy. Holy shit. Yep. Yeah, because WrestleMania 31 was in, WrestleMania 30 was in New Orleans. WrestleMania 31 was in Santa Clara. WrestleMania 32 was in Dallas. WrestleMania 33 was in, what the fuck was WrestleMania 33? Holy shit, what was WrestleMania 33? Because I know WrestleMania 37 was in Tampa. And 38 was just this week, this year, and that was in Dallas. Yeah, New York. No, 36 was in town. And the. Let's say 36 was in the. The Performance Center because of COVID. Yeah, 35 was in New York. 35 was in New York, and New Orleans had 34. Yep. Oh, Orlando had 33. Yeah, 34 was in New Orleans, 35 was in New York. So that's four years. It's four fucking years. Y'all gotta wrap this shit up. That's ridiculous. That's fucking ridiculous. Wrap that storyline up. Please wrap it up. At WrestleMania, it makes total sense. But Shanna, uh, Shanti is gonna fight Ronda at uh, Survivor Series. She's gonna lose. We already know this shit. That's not gonna... They just gave a belt to her. They're not gonna let her lose. And Becky's now a face, and Ronda's now a heel. It makes total sense to have this match, by the way. And... They closed out SmackDown with the bloodline. Roman Reigns was a bata knowledge. His cousins, the Usos, were being the longest reigning WWE tag team champions of all time. And then Brawl and Bruce come out. With Sheamus, who's returning from a fucking fractured elbow, which makes no sense. But hey, T's just fucking on. Who knows? <laughs> um, they come out, three of those guys come out, and. I'm thinking it's Bray Wyatt fucking with Sheamus and his mic. I don't know, because I'm like, maybe Bray Wyatt's fucking with his mic. I don't fucking know. But they go down the ring, they fight, and then Drew McIntyre pops up. And that is the war games. That's the war games. Bloodline, Brawling Brutes, and Drew McIntyre. Uh, they just got to find another member, which is very intriguing now, because I thought it'd be New Day. Brawling Brutes, and maybe somebody, but since it is starting to now, like, get back into his mindset of it all, and Sheamus and Drew McIntyre have known each other for years. They, Drew McIntyre is literally one of Sheamus' best, best men in his, his wedding just recently. So it's clearly that Drew and Sheamus and the Brawling Brutes clearly are going to be in this, this, this World Games match with the bloodline, which makes total sense. Now, it's 10 competitors. So Sami Zayn is definitely going to be in this match. Which is very intriguing. 
and I tell you why. Because who was the fifth member of that match? Something was said today. I was watching Wrestling Talk. Shout out to you guys. Wrestling Talk. And they said, why not put Kevin Owens in that match? He's pretty much been off of TV. We haven't, we haven't seen him in a while. And we clearly already fucking know it's going to be a Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos at WrestleMania. We kind of know that already is coming. They're going to turn on Sami eventually. So why not put doubt in their heads right the fuck now? And I'm with that. Now that I now know who's the four for the for the team, it makes sense to have Kevin Owens as the fifth member. I just wanted to see who the four were going to be because I just wanted to see how it's going to look. And now I know it's Sheamus. Now I know it's Drew and the Brawling Bruce, Pete, Pete Dunn, Butch, and Rich Holland versus the Bloodline. That makes total fucking sense to have Kevin Owens. That's kind of like the Trump card. It makes sense because Kevin Owens knows Sami Zayn very fucking well. Again, like I just said about Sasha and Becky, uh, Sasha and Bailey, Kevin Owens and Sami are literally best friends outside the ring. So it makes total fucking sense for those two men to eventually have a problem because Kevin Owens has been trying, before Kevin Owens took his break, Kevin Owens has been trying to get Sami to realize you are bigger than this group. You are way more talented than this group. They're using you. You're not, they're, you know what I'm saying? Like, they don't, you are, you, they're using you. And it makes total sense if he does come back at Survivor Series because this is the perfect opportunity for Kevin Owens to start that rivalry, but more so plant the seed in not just Sammy's head, but the bloodline's head because it's like, well, Sammy, you just gave, and let's say Sammy is the one that gets pinned. Because now it's like, well, Sammy lost his match for us. And now Jake has to get, Jay now gets in his his cousin's ear. And it's like, yo, Sammy lost his match for us. How dare you let this motherfucking outsider come in and let us lose and take the L for what the fuck he couldn't do. He let his old friend stone, stun his ass and, take, and beat him. How dare he? And now these moments are starting to kick in. It's starting to happen. Now, I don't think they're going to like take him out by the Royal Rumble. Fuck no. I think it happens after the Royal Rumble. I think after the Royal Rumble, that's when they're going to take him out. They're going to love, they love these monthly leads. But it is, that was Vince's mindset. I don't really know what Triple H's mindset is going to be. But War Games is going to be pretty intriguing. I think we kind of now know what the five, the two matches of War Games are going to kind of be. Particularly this, and also Bray Wyatt is finally kind of showing who he might be going after. And it's another thing I wanted to say also, Alexa Bliss. If you actually have watched Bray Wyatt's been popping up, some some certain Bray Wyatt shit has been popping up every time Alexa Bliss is on screen. Bray's on SmackDown. Alexa's on Raw. How the fuck is he doing this? And why is he? Pretty much showing Alexa Bliss are pretty much popping up every time Alexa Bliss pops up on screen. Now, logical thought is he wants Alexa Bliss back with him. That makes total sense. I don't think that. And this is why I think it gets interesting. Who was the last person to really fuck Bray Wyatt over before he was fired by the WWE? Alexa Bliss. I was watching that match today. Randy Orton versus The Fiend at WrestleMania 38, 37. Yeah, WrestleMania 37 in Tampa. I actually was watching that match today. Alexa Bliss calls Bray Wyatt that match. So for everybody that's like, oh, she's going to team up with Bray again. I don't think that. I think he's targeting her. I think he's coming for her. I think The Fiend kind of is still... What does the fiend always say? He he for, he forgives, but he never forgets. I think that's still Bray Wyatt. He forgives, but he never forgets. And I think it's coming. I think that is what's happening. I don't think he's trying to go get Alexa Bliss to talk, to team up with him. I think he's targeting her. I think she is the last person. In WWE to fuck him over. 
Now, people can say that's crazy to think that way, but go look at this match at WrestleMania. She literally cost this man a fucking match. That was his last match in WWE. Still is his last match in WWE when he lost to Randy Orton at WrestleMania. And it was because of her. So people can sit here, and I think even her eyes are now starting to tell you, like, why the fuck is he doing this shit to me? I think that is the thing. I don't think she's joining him. I think he's going to get her, and then she's going to join him. I think, but that is kind of how I looked at this, because there's no way in hell he forgave her for fucking him out of his match at WrestleMania. There's no way in hell. Bray Wyatt, of all of the people in WWE to forgive somebody, is going to forgive Alexa Bliss for fucking him out of his match at WrestleMania. Okay, we shall see how that plays out. <laughs> but until then, hope you guys enjoyed this. Survivor Series is on its way, November 26th. That is the Saturday after Thanksgiving, which means I will be doing my Survivor Series rate and review show maybe the day after that. I don't know. But until then, uh, also, like I said, Raw Rumble predictions are coming soon. Also, the end of the year review of wrestling is coming soon. Also, like I said all the time, I will be giving out awards. I would not have real awards. I would be just giving out awards, and I will also be giving my top 10 matches of the year. So be on the lookout for that because that starts after the rate and review show of the Survivor Series, of Survivor Series War Games. So that will be the first thing. I will be doing – I won't be doing – I will be picking my favorite top 10 matches of the year. So every night I will be doing a top 10 match. Well, not every night. But every time I do a Wrestling Life podcast, it will be – the top 10 matches, and of course, it will all culminate at the end of this year with my rate and re- my rate and review of the year. Pretty much, my favorite things about WWE going wrestling going forward, particularly WWE, but also I will be talking about what I predict 2023 will look like for wrestling going forward, which is going to be pretty fucking interesting. So, I will be giving my rate and review. And also my predictions for what the Royal Rumble in 2023 for wrestling is going to look like. What I want to see and what I'm afraid I might have to see. Anyway, until then, man, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I'll see you guys soon. Peace.